This is the Irredeemable Shag, and you're listening to The Crusader Chronicles, part of the Longbox Crusade, featuring Pat Sampson, Delvin, Jason, and some other guy. I don't know. Jared. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 57, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 201 and X-Men number 130 from November 1979. Welcome to the 57th episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issue read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way talking about them with my friends. And man, we are 57 episodes in. We are closing in on 1980. I can't believe it. I can Mm. definitely not believe it. I haven't been doing this journey alone. Again, I have some friends that have come along with me, part of the LBC crew. Let's see who's here. We're going to start with Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. Death Row. Hey, usually at this point in the show, I come with a bit that's related to the comic book, one of the comic books that we've read. Mm-hmm. This time, I'm not going to do a bit like that. Peek okay. behind the curtain. We scheduled this episode about a month ago, a little over a month ago, because we, we had Dragon Con, which interrupted the regular flow of our schedule. Yeah, damn you, Darren Con! Ah, Dragon Cons! Dragon's Cons! That's <laughs> double say. So, I basically forgot everything that we did to prep for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like five weeks ago. And I really am excited. I can't wait to get to the cover description for Amazing Spider-Man because I wrote, and I can see the theme that I wrote, but I have no idea why no. I chose it. And maybe somebody out there can help me out because I read it like, what was I thinking? So that will be the theme for this episode. Pat, what were we thinking, thinking five weeks ago? Exactly, because I did put the script together about five weeks ago too. Yeah, everything was prepped. Like we had all <laughs> the script ready. The synopsises, synopses were written. My cover descriptions were written, and now we're revisiting it. And the theme I'm getting from talking to all the Crusaders is nobody remembers like what we were doing five weeks ago. We are getting old, Pat. I honestly read the comic, the X-Men comic, last night, said I got to write the synopsis. Read it, sat down, pulled up the script, and said, I wrote the synopsis five weeks ago. (laughs) Totally forgot. You can't claim it as a reread then. Just remember that. (laughs) You cannot claim it as a reread. It has to go back to those five weeks ago. Was it a reread or not? But we're going to find out. We'll, we'll, we'll find that out. So I'm just, I'm putting that state volition state. I'm putting that statement out right now. Think but, that was a combination of statement and stipulation. Yes. <laughs> state state volition. I don't know. Anyway, you know how I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm good with the words. Speaking about being a wordsmith, I very own Pope in the pool. Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Weasel Skull's podcast journal. 
420, ready to record. Boys are here. We're all dressed in green, except for yard sale artist looking like Archie Bunker over there. <laughs> I agreed on earlier. Ready to go. How's the uh, battle band doing? Battle wagon. Whoa, what, exactly. <laughs> it clearly states in this comic it's a war wagon. Yeah, war wagon is uh, not doing so good. Not doing so good at all. <laughs> Kind of sort of drove it off a bridge. We'll get into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a deep cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Weasel Skull, the punishing Weasel Skull, I guess. Weasel the punishing, the punishing Pope in the pool, our very own Weasel Skull. <laughs> I got to tell you, I know you got to pass it to Delvin, but I'm really hoping that his bit is that he's going to belt out some sort of 70s glam rock disco <laughs> song for his bit. I'm all ears. Let's go. That was my plan B if somebody took my. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into our next person, I just want to say that, as Jason did mention, we are all wearing green tonight during this recording. There was a screenshot that we did put up, so we are all wearing green tonight. It is October 6th that we're recording this, and we are wearing green in support and awareness for cerebral palsy. Uh, we're doing this for a very great and supportive person for the LBC crew, and that is Miss Courtney Holland. So, Courtney, if you're listening, we are with you and behind you. And with that, let's go in to say hello to Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. Sorry, Jared, I don't have a song, but I, I kind of do. Have, I have a story. Ever have, like, one of those good nights out at the club, and it just feels like, you know, it just takes you away, you know, into the past, and, like, you know, you have just, you know, met like the mate of your dreams. And then like you just go into the, like this like, longing kit. OK, I kissed the dude at a club one time. You know, I'm not proud. Of, I'm proud of it. You know, like, but it happened. You know, what? it was I, I was duped. I was duped. That's what. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better when you said mate of your dreams, I immediately thought of Timothy Dalton. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Dalton in a club? Sure, why not? <laughs> Do you take Timothy Dalton's? Yes, yes, a thousand times, yes. <laughs> Things are about to get nasty. <laughs> oh, now I got my, I got pictures in my head, and I just can't get rid of these pictures now. Thank you. Probably, you probably should. This is but, I, but I feel like I. Well, I like them, and I want to enjoy these. Hmm. It's an odd episode, but you know, whatever whatever flows, flows on the episode. <laughs> You'll understand that maybe later on if you read this issue. All right. Well, with these shenanigans out of the way, since we're all wearing green, let's go ahead and get started with this episode's issues. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a 
huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the Give and Take Library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages. And as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that. You can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things. All right. Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting a Comics for Courage initiative. That website again is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get into the first featured comic for this episode, and it is Amazing Spider-Man number 201. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of February 1980, but its on-sale date is November 13th, 1979. Cover price was 40 cents. Writer and editor is Marv Wolfman. Penciler, Keith Pollard. Anchor. <coughs> layouts. Layouts. Layouts? Layouts. Okay. Anchor is Jim Mooney. Letterer, Joseph Rosen. Colors is Carl Gafford. Uh, uh, we miss you. Uh, yeah. Good job, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and find out where you can read along with us. And that can be in the Marvel Tales starring Spider-Man number 218 in 1988, Essential Punisher Volume 1 trade paperback, The Essential Spider-Man Volume 9 trade paperback, Marvel Masterworks Volume 245 of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 19 hardcover. I still don't understand all that, but... I can explain it to you if you want. (laughs) (laughs) So Marvel Masterworks is the overall series of their... They did them all in hardcovers. Okay. 
And so in the overall series, it's number 245th uh, one. Uh, but for Amazing Spider-Man, it's their 19th one. 19th one. Ah, okay. Thank you. Because that started when we were doing these from about a year ago. It was bugging me too, so I looked it up. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, see, now I learned. I, I just I felt so stupid not saying I didn't know. But you know what? Since we've all Delvin shared his moment before, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna come out and say it. I'm dumb. And well, I'm now you're smarter. Loser. Now you know. Yeah. Right. Now and knowing is half the battle. Can I get a yo Joe? Yo Joe. Thank you. All right. Well, you can also read along with us on Marvel Unlimited, and we hope you do and provide some comments. In the comments section, let's get to the cover. Penciler, John Ramita. Anchor is Bob McLeod of the Inking McLeods. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared and see what he remembers from it. Um, not a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> you guys are going to have to help me out because I know what the theme is, but I have no idea why I picked it. But here we go. The Marvel Comics Group banner is blackened with white letters. Spidey is still using his new, as of last issue, swinging pose and a mustard yellow corner box. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is red hot with black highlights, webs included. The main action shows Spider-Man hot dog in it, fighting side by side with the Punisher. Spidey is shooting a web and Punisher is shooting what we can only assume are mercy bullets and relishing every minute of it. Their buns are placed in front of a pink bullseye background that is riddled with bullet holes. As an addendum, the Amazing Spider-Man logo reads, Battles the underworld alongside the Punisher. Clearly, the theme was hot dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm thinking why. Some... I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe I was hot, a hot dog. Was it hungry when I wrote it? I don't know. Five weeks ago, I wrote this, and I'm sure I was like, oh, oh, oh chuckle, chuckle, <laughs> chuckle. And now I have no clue what the connection is. Could it be a callback to the last time we saw the Punisher, and he was somewhat in a carnival slash fair groundsy area? I'll take it. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wish I knew, but I don't. So. You can't just tell us, frankly. Oh, that's why. Franks. That's why. Oh, I, it's I, Frank I, I you did it. Man. I did it. <laughs> I'm not I dumb. Now. I was like, this is going to be so stupid. So I closed <laughs> the loop with Frank's castle. Wow. I feel so much better now. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> I put that Frank's on everything. I was sitting there like hot dogs is definitely, but I couldn't even hot dog for oh. Frank Castle. I was looking through there. Was, did he eat a hot dog at some point? No, it was because his name is Frank, and I was going for the stupidest joke possible. And uh, we finally got there again. So we're all wieners. We all are wieners. Yep. Come on now. My Punisher has a first name. <laughs> RMK. Come on. You can catch up with these jokes. <laughs> oh, don't be a Ron. Keep going. <laughs> All right. He's peeking. He's peeking. Yeah, the room has turned a bit chilly. All right. Well, let's go ahead and find out what we thought of the cover. And we'll start with Delvin. For some reason, I'm really digging on that Spidey pose. I thought they went over the top with the graphics, like the Punisher. And then there's like a skull where the P was. And then there's like a little target with the eyes. We get it. He shoots people. We got it. It would be with a big target with bullet holes and smoke where I don't even know why the smoke is there at all, actually. But I like Spider-Man's pose. I also want to know, and this is kind of a thing in the book, too. I guess they wanted to portray Punisher as a little bit older, which is why they gave him, like, the worst hairline in the history of superhero comics. (laughs) Because that, that thing had, I mean, he has lost that battle. The Punisher had lost many battles in his life. He is losing the battle with male pattern <laughs> baldness. 
He's right got now. that uh, Dalton license to kill look going on there. <laughs> <laughs> but that Spidey pose is dynamic. I like that, you know, you got Punisher shooting off in the distance too. And it's a pretty good action scene. I don't really care necessarily for the target, but it looks like they just wanted some backdrop there. The pink and white bullseye target. I don't know what that was all about, but I do like the main drawing of the book. Let's go ahead and see what Jason thought. Well, I'm going to throw some love to that pink target. I don't know who thought that would work. I would never have guessed that in a million years, but I like it. Kind of gives the book a little psychedelic 70s, early 80s look that I really appreciate. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it works, but to me, at least it works. So, and then other than that, I just want to echo what Delvin said about the Spider-Man pose. Great action pose for both Spider-Man and Punisher, so... I really dig this cover quite a lot. I do agree with you guys. I think that hot pink bullseye really makes everything else pop on this thing. And I dig in the Punisher logo as well, too. And is this the first time that we've kind of seen it where where they have the, the battles of the underworld alongside that they've kind of done that kind of just kind of you know, curved underneath the Spider-Man logo? I, think so. I like that when they do that. I think so. Yeah, look kind of neat. I like it when um, the comic covers kind of, you know, play with the logo and kind of add it to their, I don't know, gimmick for it. Looks pretty cool. Jared, what are your thoughts? Well, it's one of the best Spider-Man pencils of all time, John Romita, inked by a top tier inker like Bob McCloud. So, yeah, it's Delvin's right and Jason's right. The poses are great. The action's great. Pink concentric circles. Ooh, it's hard to say. It's a bold choice, but somehow I do think it works. Uh, one other thing, just to tear down the Punisher sort of logo thing that Delvin already started. I think that Punisher logo makes it one color too many for the cover. And if they maybe mm. used the same yellow that they used in the corner box, it might have flowed just that much better. It feels like there's just one color too many on this cover. And that's the only distraction I find from it. Otherwise, I think it's uh, quite good. I really like the black webs on the white background. Hey, Jared. Do you have your color wheel handy? Uh, does the color wheel vibe with the main colors of the book with that complementary pink in the background? Well, let's go to some electric pink, shall we? Pink says that it likes a mint green to make it pop, and there is no mint green. So maybe they should have done mint green corner box, mint green Punisher logo. That's what the color wheel says. Mm. So saith the color wheel bequeathed to me by friend of the show, legendary anchor John Beatty. So say we all. So say we all. <laughs> all right. Well, with all or one. I, I wanted to. I wanted, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be included. Let's go ahead and get to the cover ratings for this issue, and let's find out: is it a one or a five? We do a cover rating of one through five on the Crusader Chronicles. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. <laughs> Four, you really liked it. Hmm. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. Mm. And one, you hated it. It ruffled mm. your tummy feather. Yeah. Uh-uh. What will it be? One to five, Jason. I really like this one. I'm going to go with a four. Four. The only Three. thing that keeps it from being a five for me, I think Delvin hit the nail on the head. They went a little bit too overboard with the Punisher adverts on it. And now that Jared brings up the orange, it really does kind of bother me too. I didn't it notice does. it before he brought it up, but. He's got a good point there. So four for me. Delvin. Exact same. I'm with a four. Love that Spidey pose. I do like the Punisher being in action too. 
John Romita did a really good cover. Jared? I'm going to just get that door open a crack. Maybe Pat will open the door all the way. I don't know, because I'm also giving it a four. So, Pat? What's that I hear? What's that I hear? Doing the round. Open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody, I'm going to wait this up for. All right. I wonder if Glennis had been on it if she would have chose mint green. I'll bet Glennis would have mm-hmm. chosen. Not everyone can be a color me bad colorist. Uh-huh. No, nope. no, sir. They cannot. All right. Since we all agreed on a four, let's see what we're going to do for the story. But before we do that, we got to have a synopsis. And we can't do that without it being done by our man, Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. his amazing friend, Iceman and Firestar. amazing friends. The title of this issue was Manhunt. Spidey starts the episode by breaking up a gang war that the Punisher was in the middle of. Being an enterprising businessman as well, Spidey carefully places his camera to snap some pics, thus beginning what will end up being a case of mistaken identity. Isn't that right, Pat? From Enterprise, Alabama. Spidey gets his picks and sees Aunt May at Restwell, but runs into Robbie Robertson, who is on his way to see J. Jonah Jameson, who is bat crap crazy right now, and he talks to angels, much like that song by the White Stripes. More slice of life as Pete visits the Daily Globe. Remember, Jonah fired him from the Bugle, where he runs into the reporter April May, or as Pete knows her by, who? They run into Mary Jane, and that's hilarious, like the exact opposite of a D's Nuts joke. Oh. Not as funny is the Punisher looks at the recent edition of The Globe and sees that Peter Parker took photos of his fight, and Punisher thinks Pete might have the lead on those gang dudes led by a man named Jacoby, who Spidey winds up fighting the folks who broke him out of his indictment. A ton happened here, like a sloth moving. Jacoby escapes, April May is ticked at Peter, and Punisher is left to find the one lead left on the whole thing, Peter Parker, Daredevil himself, which Punisher does, inside of Peter's apartment. Back to you, Pat. Well, Delvin, I am kind of stunned because I am not understanding what your theme was. 
A lot of incorrect and, assumptions. Yeah, true <laughs> incorrect assumptions. I mean, we know that. I mean, it ended with the Punisher like, "I know your secret," and it's like, "No, the hell you don't." <laughs> 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 you know, it's going to be mistaken identity. That's what I was going with. Ah, uh, okay. See, I was mistaken. Did you ever besmirch these nuts jokes again? I said the exact. I said. I said. Hold on. I said. I still have a script up. I said. And that's hilarious, like the exact opposite of a D's Nuts joke. It was a mistaken identity. It was a mistake. Mm. Let me see that script again. I think you made that up. Let me see your phone again. <laughs> it's here. That's Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike explains why I kissed that dude at the club. <laughs> <laughs> I think I understand, though, where the cover comes from now. It's Manhunt. You got a target. They're hunting. There you go. Makes sense to me. Figured that out. I turned it into a hot dog joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all can, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Let's get to the breaker back. Yeah, let's get to the breaker back for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? And remember my stipulation or whatever I called it before. If you read it the second time before we're recording this, it doesn't count as a reread. So let's find out. Is it a first read or a reread? And we'll start with Jared. Uh, it's a reread, Pat. I read it five weeks ago. Well, I mean, preparation I, for the this episode. You can't. You can't use it. He clearly stipulated. <laughs> it's a first read, that Pat. Jason, are you following the rules? Or are you not following the rules? Uh, unfortunately, Pat, I read it five weeks ago, just before I left for Dragon Con. So, but I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm kidding. Is my, it's my a con. <laughs> Hello, is my mic on? <laughs> it's a first read for me too, Pat. Delvin, is it a first read or a reread from five weeks ago? Well, um, I just read it today, but at the same time, it's a reread because clearly I read it five weeks ago. What? <laughs> yes. Obviously, right? I mean, but no, I, I don't. I don't prepare that well. So all of y'all had read it. I just assumed we weren't going to do the show. So you I assumed failure on the part of the LBC crew. I, that's probably the wisest move. No, all, only for that particular episode, not in general. I will bank on us always, just not for that show. <laughs> anyway, it is a first read for me, Pat. Well. It is a first read for me as well, too, because I didn't read it five weeks ago. <laughs> Sons of <laughs> <laughs> Because I was like Delvin, and I figured, oh, okay, always well, we're not bet against the LBC crew, which ended up being smart, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was the dumb one, as it turned out, because I wrote the synopsis and everything. <laughs> ah, well, uh, either way, we called it early. Anyway, what that means is it's a reading rainbow. Uh, all that for the, to get us to a reading rainbow. You had to work for that rainbow. Yeah, <laughs> Five week old rainbow. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. Let's go ahead and get that some high lows or what does for the issue. We'll start with Jared. You got a high low or a what the? Ooh, Pat. Hmm. Where to begin? There's a lot in this. There's. Uh, that's where I'm going to begin. I do remember five weeks ago <laughs> texting you guys. And being like, this is the highest panel count comic we have ever read. There is a ton of panels in here. I think I ended up, even did the math and it ended up being over seven panels per page. It was like seven point something panels per page. 
There's a ton of them in here. A ton. They packed a lot into this story. And, you know, as a self-appointed person who's here to uh, apparently do nothing but aggravate Keith Pollard, <laughs> once again, he's on layouts. And was it Mooney who finished it? I think it was Mooney who finished uh, mm-hmm. all this. It came together pretty well, though. You can kind of tell that it's it's finished by somebody else. And I'll give Keith a break since he did the double-sized 200. But he sure did take a lot of layouts leading up to that and immediately had a lot of layout after that. So come on, Keith. Come on, man. Get me a full issue. So say it, Jared. That ends round one. was definitely a lot of panels in this one. Yes. I would totally agree. And they were just packing in a whole bunch of story into this thing. And I wonder if they did it because it's 201, where maybe they thought, okay, it might be a jumping on point again for people. So they had to kind of retell some stories that were kind of going on with the plot threads just to get you back into the. Maybe, maybe. I'm looking at page content page six right now, just randomly on my screen. It has 12 panels on. Yeah. 12. Mm -hmm. Yep. If I sent a script that required 12 panels to Mighty Mark Hatherley for the comics that we make, he would probably get in his car, drive <laughs> to the airport, buy an airplane ticket, mm-hmm. fly to, I don't know, probably Atlanta's the cheapest place, get a rental car, drive to my house, and burn it down. You think he'd get a hot dog along the way here? <laughs> I could cook a hot dog in that fire, though. That'd be the- yeah. Maybe he'd just do layouts. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Well, Delvin, what are your thoughts? You got a high, low, or what the on this? I'll say hi in that I hope that you gentlemen, especially after 200, and one of the things that seemed to be the consensus was that it was just this one self-contained story and that maybe you could have used a little bit of more backstory. I mean, or not backstory, but uh, more of the side character stories. We got them in this issue, like in spades. We got to see Mary Jane. We got to see April May. We got to see Jonah. We saw Robbie. We saw Aunt May. So we got to see characters, y'all. True. So they did a good job in that. That's a good place to stop for round one. Really good job of that. Like they opened it back up and it was a sign that they had wrapped up most of the storylines. Most of them. There was one dangling one I think Jason might want to mention. And I was all on school, mm. but they were starting fresh and starting with new threads to open up uh, the next run of Amazing Spidey. So it's good. And, and I think you, what you said and what Pat said combines to make sense of why there's so many panels. Because sure. I think they were like, okay, let's let's get all this stuff going again. Mm-hmm. Quick trivia question for comic creating. 12 panels on a page. Who's that hardest on? Which creators that does that make it hardest for? The I'm going to guess the anchor. The letterer. Delva's correct. It's the letterer. Oh, I thought. You Figuring were going out how to get the... those word balloons and those tiny little panels. Those tiny like... little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the anchor and the penciler won't be thrilled either. But but the letterer has to get all that stuff in there. And that's the real check. Delvin, you bring up a good thought with the characters that we saw. Now I'm wondering what's happening at the new place that Peter works at. Who's behind? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This guy, and I'm trying to remember in what we've read in the past, we really haven't seen anything, but now it's kind of boiling up. I think we saw maybe an issue two before something when we first saw this April, May, June, July, mm-hmm. August, whatever. The mysterious publisher that no one knows. Yeah. Yeah, Barney, uh, the basically the Robbie equivalent 
was like, yeah, no one ever sees him. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. interesting. Who's he? It's a mystery. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember okay. who it is. I don't either. I'm looking forward to rediscovering who that is. Yeah, that was one of that was going to be one of my comments as well. I think that's an interesting mystery, and it's also kind of funny because Peter finally has somebody that treats him nice and <laughs> and kind of gushes on him, and he's just like, "Oh, this doesn't feel right, man. I, I want Jonah back. Can't quit you, Jonah. I want some tough love, and I'm not getting it from the people." that I'm working for now. Jason, do you have anything else for your first round? Well, I guess I'll just pick up the thread that Delvin left dangling for me. I did appreciate that they wrapped up the did Jonah look under the mask angle from the previous story arc. I kind of thought that eh, they kind of chickened their way out of it. But you know what? It's Marv's prerogative. It's his book now. It's his story to tell. He wants to wrap it up that way. He wants to leave the mystery between J. Jonah Jameson and Peter Parker slash Spider-Man intact. So that's his prerogative. I'm I'm just interested to see where this new story arc goes. So I I appreciate them wrapping that up. Yeah, I thought that was a good way of doing it and at least coming to a conclusion because I was like, I kind of totally forgot about it. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was concluded. I felt like his story got interrupted. Did I read that wrong? I felt like, you know, he was going to take it off. And then he saw the cop, so he took Spider-Man to another location, and before he moved on with that story, Spidey poked his head in the window, and Jonah freaked out. Yeah. So I was like, is it really concluded? Uh, maybe I read it wrong. I, I don't know. No, you could bring you up know. a good point. I interpreted it as, I was going to look, but there was a cop there to stop me. Maybe then, and by then, the time he got it to the place, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, I, I, I didn't feel like it was wrapped up, but I might have read it wrong. Well, yeah, I might have read it wrong, too. You might have a good yeah. point. <laughs> You might. I I thought that it was wrapped up. I thought that the cop came and since they were both on the run, that's why he he had to pick Spidey up and run with him because they were tied together by uh, the Spencer Smythe device. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's you. Bring up a good question. Guess we will find out as we continue reading on here. Jarrett, it is now your turn for round two. Do you have a high, low, or what to? Man, there's so much in here. I feel like we need four rounds tonight. Well, you could um, pull. always pull a pat. Pull a pat like. and just go. Well, one of them I'm going to save for my Silly Spidey moment, and I have the sneaking suspicion we're all going to pick the same Silly <laughs> Spidey <laughs> moments. But I will just say, we mentioned earlier, we all know that friend of the show, Dave Collins, likes to call it the battle van, even though it clearly states in this issue, again, it's the war wagon. And I did... Something that you would expect me to do. I took a screenshot of it, texted it to Dave, said, look, looks like we're going to be talking about the war wagon again. But then I did him a favor and I sent him the screenshot of the war wagon going into the river. Uh, and I said, this might be the last appearance of the war wagon. When it comes back, it might be the battle van. <laughs> so we might be witnessing the shift from war wagon to battle van in this very issue. So I'm excited to find that out. And I'll just tie that into, because that's very specific to our listeners. who are probably like, what the hell is he talking about? I'll just tie that into the overall chase between Spidey and the two green trucks and then Punisher getting involved and the war wagon going into the river and all that stuff. That was just a really exciting chase scene and a cool sequence. And I was really engaged in it. You know, felt a little let down in 200. I'm feeling right perked back up again with 201. Awesome. I think I agree with you, too, about the wagon, van, what have you. I'm interested (laughs) to see. What's going to happen? Because I'm like, oh, no. 
<laughs> the war wagon. It's going down. You know, Dave's probably excited about this, but yeah. Good on you, Dave. Good on you. We'll see what happens. Delvin, high, low, or what the? You got to remember too, Jared, that like, you're not going to have really many discussions with Dave about this because I mean, it's not Dave, the negotiator. It's Dave, the merciless. <laughs> He's going to come down on you. He's going to come down on him. Okay. Right, we, we, <laughs> this concludes our Dave talk. <laughs> I definitely, I just, it's a general like. I like the fresh start. And it's always interesting when the Punisher comes around and it looks like he has a motive here of going after this big bad guy, but it hasn't been fully revealed as to what. And Spidey always kind of just (laughs) puts his nose in the Punisher's business as this insufferable do-gooder to where... (laughs) Yes, I do get Spidey's thing of no killing, of course. And even though Punisher wasn't, he had the mercy bullets going on, which was still hurt like the Dickens. But uh, but it was to see Spidey like, you and me are going to have a talk, mister. <laughs> <laughs> Punisher's probably like, what? <laughs> like, what are you ta- Get out of my face, kid. What are you talking about? Go somewhere. Still don't but- know what a mercy bullet is. And I will say... He threw that dude out the window. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like Spider-Man hadn't been coming along in panel one. That dude would have taken a mercy 40-story drop Jason, to the ground. Jason, it was safety glass. It's okay. He knew Spider-Man was out there. And so Oh, superhero yeah. trust fall. I guess. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I know I already went, but uh, I can't. I'm pulling Pat tonight, as we already said. I gotta admit, though, that double page spread of like Punisher wholesale whooping ass on everybody in that room was really good. Oh, it was yes. really good. Good layouts, Keith. Yes, definitely good layouts on it. There was a lot of cool shots in this of action that was going on. Well, Jason, you got a high low or what the? Boy, I'm with Jared. We could go a couple rounds on this one, but I think I will just say. I really liked how they grabbed you at the very beginning, like right from the first panel, guy just flying out of the window, Spider-Man just swinging by. That's how we get introduced to this new story. And like Jared said, it felt really fresh after 200. And they packed a lot into this book. We talked about the panel count, but you know what? I don't think any of those panels were wasted and none of them looked rushed. They all looked good. I mean, we had great action scene at the beginning, a great chasing in the end. In the middle, we have good moments with Peter, Aunt May, and and Robbie. We've got good moments with Peter and J. Jonah Jameson and Marlon J. Jonah Jameson. And there's just so much packed into the book. And I just really appreciated the fresh start, the new kind of clues, the little threads they're dangling in front of us. And I'm excited to see where this story arc takes us. Here, here. Yeah, I definitely agree. But I'm surprised nobody has mentioned, as we talk about the secondhand characters, the other characters in this book, anybody want to talk about MJ and April May? Yeah, well, we get to Silly Spidey. I'll, I'll okay. Talk about <laughs> did anybody else read that in my MJ? Voice? I did. I had that in my MJ <laughs> Oh, that scene was killer. Oh, that was nice killer. Makeup cracking, baby. <laughs> I would. I actually thought that maybe we should do a play through that, letting you read Mary Jane's 
I didn't dare ask. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh man, I could totally hear Mary Jane in this. And boy, it was, that was fun time. It just. We'll do one for the patrons. (laughs) I didn't realize Peter was into older women. (laughs) That's such a shade. (laughs) I mean, I mean, Mary Jane just came, she just came right out with like, just that hook right to the rails. Like, oh, (laughs) You can go dance with dance out whatever brains you have left. Like, oh, overhand right. Wow. Jason, can you read Mary Jane's first bubble there on the top of the page? Well, well, is our living boogie. Hi there, Tiger. <laughs> oh, that's how I thought I heard it. Yep. That's how I thought I heard oh, it. Oh, man. We need to, maybe we could get um, Kathy on here to read April May's lines. And then Hang we'll, on. We can we'll, probably fix this now. Hang on. Laurel. Laurel. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, Every well, time we record later on. So she leaves for the day. All right. Well, does anybody have anything else you want to talk about? I think we're good. 201's off to a good start. Yeah, it's it funny. Is. I just, I'll just tack on that I really like the cliffhanger at the end. Punisher in his apartment. I know your secret. Like Delvin said, he probably doesn't, but it's still a great cliffhanger. I totally agree on that one as well, too. It was interesting to see him in there waiting for him. But you know what? I just thought about that because he sensed that the Punisher was in there, but he never sensed it when he walked in there when everybody was in there rearranging his room. He also didn't sense it when the Punisher filled his rib cage with mercy bullets. (laughs) Whoa, you didn't see that coming, Pete? Dang, yeah, man. He, he didn't know the Punisher was in there. He sensed danger. And to be uh, fair, you know, the Punisher's sitting there with a freaking Tommy gun in his hand, like ready to do God knows what. His friends only had, you know, brooms and dustpans. Well, they could have attacked him with those. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, Pat, but, you know, getting like attacked with a gun is a little bit scarier than getting attacked with brooms and dustpans. Not if they're mercy bullets. <laughs> I'm going to go on mute now. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and find out what the silly Spidey moment is for everybody in this issue. And like Jared said, we're probably going to agree on one or two. But let's find out. We'll start with Jason. What's your silly Spidey? Cat fight! (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. And the funniest part was the end where Peter did the only sane thing he could do. Got in the cab and drove away. <laughs> That's a away. smart Peter. That's a smart Peter. He's learned. <laughs> I loved it. I will just say, though, there are several moments in this book that had me chuckling. So it was good to get a lighthearted 201 after kind of a darkish uh, 200. Yeah. So this one definitely had amped up the fun factor a little bit. Agreed. Delvin. Yeah, it's the cat fight. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Just them going back and forth like they did. Like, <laughs> that was just nasty. The the current, the modern day phrase is like, Mary, Mary Jane immediately cho- chose violence. <laughs> just immediately. Older women, like, oh, snap. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. Let's so get good. ready to rumble. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It was great. Jared, are you also going to go with? Oh, 100%. I mean, (laughs) 
that page, content page eight, is if this was a long box crusade, this is the one I want to hang up on my wall because. It's funny all the way through. And then like Jason said, it's the perfect capstone of the end where Peter just gets into a cab and drives off. He's supposed to be going somewhere with April, May, and he leaves her there because he's like, no, man, I can't handle this. Peter's more man than you'll ever be. And then the look on her face in that final panel, April, May turns around because MJ is once again using it to rub it in her face. Uh, And she's like, well, basically he just split. (laughs) He just lost your man, baby doll. (laughs) <laughs> oh perfect end to a perfect scene uppercut <laughs> i do agree with you guys there were so much fun things on that panel or on that page to see and laugh about i'm going to just do one more and mine is later on when peter's chasing down the van he tumbles off the wagon battle wagon war van yada yada whatever that is and then he hops onto another car and then starts swinging over towards the bridge. That's at the point where he's kind of like going too fast and he's getting, and he lost the van and he goes nuts, nuts, double nuts. <laughs> and then Pat, he gets swinging too hard and he goes into that couple's apartment. Yeah. And he just goes, uh, uh this is a nice part we have here. Well, nice drop it in, but I got to go. See ya. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> he's like totally ruined their living room. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely a good plan. That's a good B. one. Yeah. You know, while we're in Silly Spidey, again, there's so much to talk about in this book. Pull the audience. At one point, he rips the, the top off the truck to expose the villains inside. And they go, Spider-Man. He goes, you're expecting Mork from Orc. Yes. So how do you feel about dated references like Mork from Orc? Delvin. I'm fine with it. I understood right. it. All right. Well, we're probably old enough to, to get it. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm worried how it ages down the line. What do you think, Jason? Mork calling. What was it? Orson? Come in, Orson. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was it was good. All right, Pat. You down for dated references as well? I was. And when I saw that, I had to think to myself, it's 1979. So mm-hmm. was that around then? Yeah, yeah I thought Mark, Mark, and and or- Mark, from Mark and Mindy, yeah, were maybe later, mid-80s? Or, well, nah, maybe not. Nah. This is the sweet spot for I that. Is, yeah. Because I would, I did watch it, and who didn't have the rainbow suspenders? <laughs> I was down with that. All right, I like the All right. but I, I can see what you're saying, though. Data references it does put this comic book into a certain time frame for you. It does it does? But I mean, I'm not saying it has to be a bad thing. Like it jives total seventies, and it's a seventies mm-hmm. book, so I mean, it works. Yeah, it totally. There have been a couple times that that he's made a reference that I didn't get, and I had to wiki it out. Mm-hmm. And say, oh, mm-hmm. Okay, this is like a talk show or something that was big in the seventies. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't do it all the time, but it's not unheard of. If it's done right, I think it's okay because then either one, it's going to make you go and learn a little bit, or you're just going to go, okay, it's some reference to. I can put the pieces together and figure it out. No, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I didn't mean to cause extra editing, Pat. Just well, good. while we're, we're kind of on dated references, like Punisher was like, these guys are dealing marijuana. Pa, 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 pa. It's, like, it's like legal in half the states now, dude. You're throwing them out windows and stuff? Come on, man. You mess with the wacky weed. Yeah, Punisher, he was dude. like, he was zero tolerance. Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to start somewhere, man. It's got to start somewhere. As only a man in calf-high, gleaming white boots can. Mm-hmm. Mercy bullets all the way. All right. Well, with the silly Spidey 
out of the way. Let's go ahead and find out how we're going to rate this one. And I think I kind of got a feel for where we may all land, but let's find out. Again, and as a reminder, it's a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feather. Delvin. I'm at a four. It was, Mm -hmm. I could have said three, but it's a fresh start. And Marv Wolfman has, I, I think he's developed enough cachet to bump up. To a four. Okay. So I like it. I like that it was that return to the classic Spidey story. I like that it's building on something. We don't know what, you know, is going yep. on with the Punisher right now. A lot of good elements. It's a four. Jason. I'm going to jump aboard and agree with Delvin. It is a four. I don't have to bump it up at all. I just really enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of fun. There was a lot of humor. There were a lot of mysteries that he's kind of left dangling for us to work through great relationships with Peter. I thought Peter was just, I just loved his actions, his reactions. I loved him standing up to April May there at the end telling her, Hey, you want a photographer, get yourself a Polaroid and click away lady. Cause I'm not putting up with this anymore. I just, I love the attitude much like the cover of the book was kind of fresh and different. The story felt fresh and different and I'm interested to see where it's going. So, Four for me. I think it felt fresh and different in a familiar way, is what I want to say. Yeah, that's fair. Jared, one through five. I'm going to prop the door open once again, because I'm right there with Jason at a solid four. So it's really up to you, Pat, about if we're going to do this again. But while you're thinking about it, I do want to point everybody to one more interesting thing about the book, because I can't stop talking about the book. The letters page was actually quite fascinating. If you haven't looked at it. Basically, they broke down the responses to what's been going on up to 200. And they didn't even print letters. They just said, these people fell into this camp. And they printed all the names of the people. These people fell into this camp. And their camp's like, Aunt May is dead. I never thought you'd do it. Aunt May is not dead. It's tricked by Reinhardt. I don't know whether or not Aunt May is dead. The black cat is dead. How could you? The black cat is not dead. (laughs) She has nine lives. I don't know if the black cat is dead. (laughs) It's a really funny... uh, uh, letters page i just i'm sorry to give you more stuff to edit pat but i just thought no. it was worth pointing out and on top of that the assistant editor in charge of the letters page is a little person named mark gruenwald put a pen Ooh. in that name because he's going to become important in marvel all right certainly well boys i'm going to tell you this it's a five Oh, hey, everybody, like, get up! I don't blame you, man. I was, I was in Joe November four point five territory. Uh, I liked I, it a lot. I was kind of dangling there as well, too. Getting you, Jared, to keep talking about it—that tells me something. I, I, I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> it's so much to talk about, and I'm glad we read it twice. I loved it. I definitely loved it. I'm so looking forward to. What Marv has going on again, like Jason said, it's freshy, kind of new, but still felt home to me. And I'm like, let's go, let's go. Let me read on to the next issue. So I cannot wait till the next issue to talk about it some more. All right. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. Let me know. Are you with me? Do I got more people that are with me on this as a five or is it as a four? 
Let's also find out what you thought. Is this outdated with the references in it? Let us know that as well, too. We would love to get some feedback and have some conversation around this. And with that, we will be right back. Greetings, podcast listener. My name is Charlie Neymar, and I host a show called Charlie's Geekcast, all about me and what I like, but mostly about what I like. 2020 marks a pretty special year for me. For one thing, I'll be turning 40 this year. But this year also marks 10 years since I started podcasting by talking about Superman's adventures in the Bronze Age. Coincidentally, this year also marks 50 years since Superman entered the Bronze Age. To celebrate all of this, this year I'll be doing a series of episodes called Geeking on Superman in the Bronze Age, where I'll be looking at some great Bronze Age Superman adventures that I didn't get around to the first time around. It's a lot of around. So check out Charlie's Geekcast, part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network at twotruefreaks.com. Also, you can find the show at charliesgeekcast.com or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode. And it is X-Men number 130. Credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comic again. The publisher was Marvel, got a cover date of February 1980, but its on-sale date was November 20th, 1979. Cover price was 40 cents. Editor was Roger Stern. Writer, Chris S. Claremont. Esquire! Thank you. (laughs) Couldn't get the mute button fast enough. It's the manager playing home skate. Oh, wait, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody is. I'm here trying to do my stuff, and you guys got... Anyway. Plotter, penciler, John L. Byrne. Inker, Terry Austin. Letterer, Tom Orzakowski. And the culinary band colorist, Glennis Ween. There she is. There's our there's our lady. There's our girl. Oh, baby. Yeah, yes. she's back. Back again. Reprinted in Uncanny X-Men trade paperback. Classic X-Men number 36. Essential X-Men Volume 2 trade paperback, Marvel Masterworks Volume 37 of the Uncanny X-Men Volume 4 hardcover. I understand that now. Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1 and Essential Dazzler Volume 1 trade paperback. Or you can read along with us on Marvel Unlimited. And again, we hope that you do and provide some comments along with us. Cover credits go to penciler John Ramita Jr. Ooh. I didn't really notice that, that we got Ramita Ramita back to back. Father and son. Father and son. Father and son. Inker is Terry Austin. Speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared and see if he remembers this one. I think this one's about hamburgers, if I remember correctly. Mm. <laughs> the Marvel Comics group banner is red with black letters. Seriously, I'm not jive talking. A matching red corner box contains the heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler, and Barry, and Robin, and Maurice. The Uncanny X-Men logo is red with yellow highlights, enhanced by party lights, much like the Knights on Broadway. The main action focuses on Dazzler's first comic book appearance. She's front and center, and clearly more than a woman, using her dazzling light powers to the fullest, so much so that Cyclops, Phoenix, Nightcrawler are clearly overwhelmed, and the cover blurb reads that the dramatic debut of the Dazzler. When you see a cover like this, 
you should be dancing. Yeah. I'm guessing everybody figured out. Maybe. A little bit. See, you did a Bee Gees. Little Brothers Gib action for everybody. But y'all know the Bee Gees. Still don't know the Eagles. I can sit there and just, I can't even, huh? I showed you photographic proof that I added their greatest hit CD to my Plexer. I have nine BG CDs on there. <laughs> <laughs> Even Andy. More than a black server. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. I'm out. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to some quick cover thoughts on this issue. And we will go with Jason. I really like this cover. I mean, if you're a fan of Dazzler, which I'm not really, but I think she looks great. She looks cool. I love the surrounding characters. The colors pop. And I do love the lights that frame the X-Men logo. I just think it's a cool, memorable cover. And I'll just leave it at that. Delvin? I think Cyclops could have used one or two more abs in that that picture (laughs) to give him a total of 38. He's he's totally flexing. He's he's like, check him out. (laughs) This man's making moves on my woman on the dance floor. I got my eight-pack. Oh, man. I've never seen this cover before. It's really good. Looking at Cyclops, it reminds me of the later style that John Romita Jr. took on that a lot of people just kind of, I don't know, said, oh, he's terrible. Like, oh, guess what he was drawing? He was drawing X-Men again. (laughs) Go figure. But I like it. I love the colors. That black background was cool. It was cool that they took the X-Men and put them in that and put the X-Men logo and the backlighting as well. Everything just had like a very cool, classy touch to introduce the character uh, that is Dazzler. So to use the term that I used uh, in Come Out to Play last month, it's sneaky great. It's not sneaky good, it's sneaky great. Mm. Where you're looking at it, it's like, the more you look at it, the more you can find things to like about it. Like you've got Nightcrawler, where it's very clear that he's like, you know, a little bit, dazzled by the lights but like in modern times it looks like he might be dabbing perhaps <laughs> i see the dab <laughs> but just like the spidey cover just in a different way a lot of different things to like it's a very fun cover i agree with you just the colors alone on this i think make it all just pop glennis is doing an awesome job on this man yep. just She's to see dang. from the spider-man one compared to this one and it's like whoa mm-hmm. she definitely did what needed to be done on this and the art as well with the lights you mentioned too man it's just the thing just pops jared what's your thoughts well let's put it side by side with the amazing spider-man cover that we talked about and how the amazing spider-man cover had too many colors let's take a look at the uncanny x-men cover the banner red the corner box red the x-men logo red the banner that introduces dazzler red all with yellow themed highlights it's perfectly color balance they chose a solid black background which makes all the lighting effects that much more Mm. spectacular we've gone on and on about the little light bulbs on the x-men which must have been a serious pain in the ass to draw (laughs) all those little light bulbs and that's going to get to my thesis on this cover is there's no shortcuts everything about this cover is deliberate and i'm betting there's scores and scores of first appearance characters out there that just wish they could have got a first appearance cover like this 
you don't have to go to back issue bin and know that like uh, it was, uh, it was uh, Avengers uh, Annual 10 where you find the first appearance of Rogue, which is true, by the way. And I, I need to seek this out. Like you see this, and you go, bam, Dazzler, first appearance. I don't need to know the issue number. It's right there. And when I first saw it, I didn't know until we recorded tonight because I didn't look ahead on the script. But I was like, that doesn't look like Burn or Cochran. So who is that? To find out it's John Romita Jr. This has clearly got to be one of his early works. He's very young at this point. Sure. Man, it just all comes together. It is a perfect cover to introduce a new character. A perfect cover to introduce a new character. Mm, yes, definitely. I do see the hand signals that you're yeah. doing. People can't see that. And I'm thinking the same thing. So why don't we get into our cover ratings and we'll make this one really, really quick. It's a one through five rating. It's five. You loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from four. You really liked it. Three liked it. Two didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. <clears throat> do we need to go around the horn boys or do we all need to just get up? Uh, Death probe checking in with a five. Yeah. Pattern's clear. Five. Weasel skull. Five. Delvin, the dark web. Uh, Pat, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a five, Delvin. So if either you're going to bump yourself up to be with us, or are you just going to be, you know, a left on a dance floor? Yeah. Sitting on the side, not on the dance floor, sitting (laughs) on the side, watching us party it up with the Dazzler. He's jealous that Cyclops has better abs than he does. (laughs) (laughs) He does, and that I don't have any. (laughs) So uh, I'm more than willing to be easily influenced here. I was at the highest of fours. If all my three buddies are there at five, I will get up. I mean, you really sold it to me, Delvin, to bump it up. So I think it was, I think the little light bulb work on the logo alone is worth the extra point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah if you don't give them that extra point, that is a lot of light bulbs. To <laughs> I agree. They they went all out. I am perfectly happy with giving this a five. So Woo-hoo! everybody, if any listener wants a little extra LBC credit and shout out, please in the comments let us know how many actual light bulbs are in. <laughs> it's like a guess the jelly beans in the jar yes. thing. <laughs> Hey, real real quick, just because I looked it up, as of right now, John Romita Jr. is 65 years old as of today, which means that at that cover, he was about 23, 24 years old mm. when he drew that brilliant, mm. brilliant cover. What's, what's great about it is, like Jason said, like, am I a huge Dazzler fan? Not, no, I don't. I feel strongly no, way about but- Dazzler, but for a introductory cover... I mean, we've chatted a lot about it. We need to officially get up, Pat. Yes. We need to officially get up. Officially get up. So, one, two, three, four, five. Get up now. Five will make you get down. Get down, down. Play the whole song, too. Not just a clip. Play the whole song. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. Woo. It's a five. Awesome. Well, let's see what the story does for us, though. Mm. Mm. We'll find out. <laughs> does well, it'll make you get it up. <laughs> <laughs> one, this... one, one, one. <laughs> let's find out if this story will really dazzle us or not. And All with right. that, let's go to Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier. Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. 
Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. title of this is Dazzler. When Cerebro locates two new unknown mutants in New York and Chicago, Professor X splits the team to track them down. Scott, Gene, and Kurt draw the New York City mutant and track it to a seedy part of the city in an abandoned warehouse. Leaving Kurt to watch in the alley, Scott and Gene enter the building to find it's an underground nightclub. With hundreds of people present, they begin to mingle with crowd to try to find their needle in a haystack. Unbeknownst to our heroes, Charles and his team of Colossus, Storm, and Wolverine have been ambushed by the evil Hellfire Club when trying to recruit 13-year-old Kitty Pride. Young Kitty, however, is coming into her powers and manages to phase aboard the Hellfire Club's getaway craft and infiltrate the evil lair. She manages to contact Nightcrawler just before all heck breaks loose, and the New York City team is ambushed by the dastardly Hellfire Club. In a frantic battle inside and outside the club, the X-Men are nearly defeated when the unknown mutant reveals herself and enters the fray. It's the lead singer of the band, Dazzler. Using her light power, she manages to turn the tide of the battle, and our heroes emerge victorious. Will Dazzler join the X-Men? Will our heroes be able to rescue their teammates? Can you tell by the way she uses her walk that she's a man's woman with no time to talk? All will be revealed. <laughs> Another beautiful reference, yes. Great minds think alike. Yes, obviously you guys are related somehow. I don't know how, but for the BAs, the brothers yeah. Albert. Who would you be? Who's Barry? Who's Andy? Who's the other brother? Uh, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The wrong question. <laughs> Strong car. If you were a BG, who would you be? I don't know. I don't know the difference. I don't know the difference between BGs. Either. I don't know their personalities or anything. Devlin would be the one with the beard because he's got that sweet He'd beard. He'd probably be on. the black one. The black guys. There's, there's no, there's no black. Well, you know what? There are some black gibbs. They're just not in the BG. <laughs> Pat, take the show back. <laughs> I'm speechless on that one. So I'm. Yeah, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the bricker brack for this. Is it a first read or a reread? Delvin, first read here. Jared, this is a first read. First read for me too. Jason. He came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> reread. Sorry. It's still in my omnibus. We're almost out of the omnibus. There's only one more comic in the omnibus. So. You've read them anyway. <laughs> Don't get our hopes up. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, well, we tried, folks. We tried. But let's go ahead and find out some high lows or what does for this issue. And we will begin with Jared. 
Well, we'll start with the ultimate high for next minute issue. I finished it. <laughs> it's a good start. It is a good start. Uh, let's see. Easiest high to give is, you know, John Byrne. Still nailing it down. Byrne and Austin are a great one-two combo. They're a reason why they're recognized as one of the greatest combos in comics. I mean, it's easy to lock on the fact that Byrne likes to draw Jean Grey in sexy outfits. <laughs> but let's not overlook the fact that he drew some vehicles. He drew computer tech and monitors. He mm-hmm. drew disco culture. He drew stuff back in the Hellfire Club. I mean, just a, a lot of variety in his art, and it's all quite wonderful. So, as always, even when I'm not big on the issue or the content or or Proteus or whatever, John and Terry, they are a team for the ages, sir. So I will start with that high. Delvin, high, low, or what the? I'll give it a high. We can get on Claire Munn. We've teased them any number of times about being long and verbose, and sometimes he was that in this case. But... The thing that made Claremont a legend here with X-Men is that is to me issues like this, where the pacing of it was excellent and it started off like just slow. And then it never, there was never any crazy, just over the top action, but it just built up and the intrigue just kept building and building and it left you. And you were just kind of like, man, like a, a lot of stuff happened in the book and B, it was just like a lot of stuff happened and it left you wanting more because it just built upon itself. There were so many potential storylines that came from this one book. I was very impressed by that. The pacing of the book alone was fantastic. And then all of that, and they still found time to introduce a brand new mutant in Dazzler, which was cool too. Agreed. There was definitely a lot of stuff going on with this and one and we didn't read the issue before about how they got around to you know kitty pride as well too so i was just thinking how did that happen and wanted to go back and read that to figure out a little bit more on what's going on in this one question for jason i think i remember reading because it was five weeks ago so can't be held responsible isn't the issue before this a first appearance of kitty pride it is yes one two punch two very memorable mutants back to back yeah and like Delvin said, this is really a lot of other stories and things have gone out of this one. And just to me, again, a lot going on to it that I'm interested, like Delvin, to figure out where everything's going down the road here. Jason. Well, Jared touched upon mine. I think between this issue and the previous, we've got the two introduction to two new characters who are going to become staples in the X-Men sagas for years to come. Kitty Pride, probably the most famous. And right out of the gate, they're interesting characters, right? I think the thing that I really like about this book is that the characters all have strengths, weaknesses, quirks, foibles. You know what they're into. You know Colossus is an artist. You just met Kitty Pride, but you know she's smart. You know she's got courage. I would have run away in that situation, but she's helping the X-Men out. She's afraid. She admits she's afraid in the book, but she's helping the X-Men to get away. So right out of the gate, you're getting interesting new characters mixing with already established interesting characters. And it's something that I just really love about this book. And I think the story really encapsulates that with Kitty and the actions that she does throughout the book, probably even more so than Dazzler, who's on the cover. 
you know, we're just starting to get to know Dazzler. I think the interesting thing about her is when they're like, didn't you ever wonder where those powers came from? She's like, nope. <laughs> just uh, got them, use them, make some money. You know, and that's how you start to get to know the character. What You know, what she's made of, what motivates her. I think it's just really interesting. Really good writing. So that's going to be my high. The new characters, well introduced. And this is, for us, probably, in reading it, the first time we're seeing... Emma Frost as well, too, right? Have we seen her before in... I don't remember seeing her in an older X-Men one or not. I know she's in the previous issue. Sure. But I'm not sure. Can't answer that off the top of my head. Okay. So I think, for, well, at least for me, I'm thinking this is, you know, we're another important character down the road where we start to see that beginning. First appearance of White Queen, 129. Uncanny right, X-Men. So we're... The dark web has spoken. Cool. Well, yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, we missed the banger apparently in one twenty nine, but it's okay. I mean, that was again. This is kind of it speaks to Chris's legacy that mm-hmm. one twenty nine. Yeah, White Queen, Emma Frost, and then Kitty Pride, who they have always not liked each other. Which is that if they kept that completely in character too when they were on the X Men team together. Even when Emma Frost was moonlighting as a good girl at the time, <laughs> uh, you still had Kitty Pryde like, I still don't like you. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because I was thinking about that today, Delvin. She references back to this very issue. She said, the very first time I met you, you attacked me. You tried to kidnap me and you hurt my friends. I'll never forget that. I don't mm. care that we're on the same team now. This is who you are. The difference is I was a 13-year-old girl then. Now I'm an X-Man. And if you think you're going to step up to me, you've got another thing coming. And I thought that was really interesting. You know, all those years later, they still refer back to this moment. I thought that was mm-hmm. really good writing. I think Joss Whedon wrote that. So I thought that was really Astonishing good X-Men probably. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good catch on that, Jason. Good catch. Jared. Back to you. Oh, back to me. I'm going to give a hi to my boy Cyclops, proving once again why he's the field leader. See some bushy bearded dude making out with his girl on the dance floor (laughs) and stays, no pun intended, laser focused on the mission at hand. I'm like, all right, Cyclops. He shut her down. She's like, like, let me explain. He's like, no, no, we got things to do. I was like, man. I'll tell you, I'm glad you brought that up, Jared, because that was going to be my next one. But I think it's even cooler that you caught onto it and brought it up. To use your term, he was Johnny Cool Toes in that situation, he man. Definitely was. I would have been like, why, baby? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Again, and he is, uh, I guess I make some metaphors because this hasn't happened yet. It'll happen in the future. But he is the Leonardo of this team, you know? Mm-hmm. Raphael would have started swinging some knives at this point, but Leonardo was like, no, nah, man, we got a mission, and that's that's Cyclops. Definitely good leader skills there. Delvin, high low with the to continue with the intrigue, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on with the Jason Wingard thing and who that is. I think I've talked about it before, but what an interesting storyline. They're trying to subvert Phoenix. You know what? I'm trying to do doing a little bit of jumbled X-Men history in the back of my head. I, okay, I'm remember I'm remembering what this starts with. Man, Jason Wingard is playing a dangerous game here. Like, yep, I'm 
working my mind tricks or whatever mm -hmm. on this powerful, volatile mutant of the which the extent of her powers we don't even know. And I, oh, I'm going to make her my lover and convince her through like bold strategy, Cotton. Let's yeah. see if it plays out. <laughs> Pays off. I, it was interesting. And then to piggyback on what Jared said, they made it a point and out. And I love just how they left it. They were in such a rush to figure out what was going on and going on to the next thing that A, Dazzler had to jump in the car with them and kind of go right away because she was like, man, these people are going to come after me and kill me. I'm, I'm just here doing disco. And like, they don't care. You got to come with us. Came with us. And as they're driving off and speeding to go to Chicago to find their friends, Cyclops catches Jason Wingard out of the corner of his eye. It's like he is not going to forget who that face is, but it just might be too late for him and the woman he loves. And it's like, oh, dang. I want to read next issue. Let's see yeah. what's going on here. This is intriguing. So Daffy Duck, Daffy Duck. <laughs> <laughs> That's the soap opera stuff Jared doesn't like so much. Oh, I thought you didn't like the mind. I would have thought this would be up in Jared's area there. I mean, I, this we dabbled gonna... in some mind stuff. I saw it, but I was like, eh. It's not bad, though. Well, it's okay. not like that. That sexy outfit saved it for me. I won't lie. Was it? I won't lie. Yeah. I mean, the mind right. stuff he's doing isn't like total like mindscapey, mind fighty. No, it was like done. That. It was done on a lower level this time. I just want to know if it's Claremont or Byrne who likes the bad girl dominatrix thing, because clearly one of them does. I think it's Byrne because he kind of did a similar thing with the Fantastic Four and Sue Richards. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, I remember that now. Yep. Well, and also wasn't she Malice for a while or something like that? He's nodding. Yep. All right. Well, Jason, high, low, or what the for your second round? I'm going to keep it going with a high, a staying on the focus of, of the team and how this team is comprised. Delvin touched on it earlier about Jason Wingard playing the dangerous game with Phoenix. Well, Phoenix is kind of a dangerous weapon in the hands of the X-Men, too. And you can tell they're starting to get concerned. Scott's like, I don't even know what her power levels are. I'm not sure I even know who this person is. She's behaving strangely. It's like walking around with the nuclear weapon, and you know, just, and we're not sure we can control it. Mm -hmm. And that's just something I really like about this book. You know, um, you've got like Avengers and Justice League and all those books, those team books, and I love them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not casting shade, but you got Thor, Power of a God, and just, you know, doing what he does in Captain America. And in this, you've got folks, some of them have very limited, restricted powers, power sets that are clearly defined. And then you've got this wild card of Phoenix walking around and it's clearly making them uncomfortable. And I like that in this book. I agree. This is one that has got me interested in looking forward to the next issue. And we will see if we get to read it or not with our Patreon Crusader Club members pick. I hope that they do. So we can continue on this joyous reading. But I'm being told that someone wants to go a little extra mile before we get to the extra mile. Jared, you have some more stuff you would like to say. I think our listeners just need to know that about four and a half weeks ago, we were all at Dragon Con. I have opined, that's right, I use the word opined many times on this show, how I can't stand 
Chris Claremont's mind fights in comics. You have, yeah. yes. So guess what happened to me at Dragon Con? Well, you don't have to guess because I'll tell you. Chris Claremont himself came to my table, told me he wasn't so uh, thrilled about my opinions on his mind fights, challenged me to a mind fight. Yes. We stared each other down. We locked eyes. We had a mind fight. He defeated me quite easily. Uh, if you need photographic evidence of this, just check out the Longbox Crusade Twitter feed, and it will be what, somewhere near the beginning of September. If you scroll, scroll up Correct. to the early part of September, you'll see the photograph of Chris Claremont himself mind-fighting me over the fact that I don't like his mind-fights. And that was awesome. Uh, my brother, the Weasel Skull, put that together, went and talked to Chris Claremont, gave him the backstory, and Chris came over, and that was a moment I will never forget. So the guy is obviously a good sport about all this. Yeah. and. Tip of the cat to Chris on that. Yeah, definitely. It was fun to see. And I oh, man, the minute I saw Jason talking to him, I'm like, oh boy, it's gonna go down. Probably <laughs> <laughs> pointing over, like <laughs> Yeah, I saw you kind of I'm like, ooh. I was snitching my brother out. <laughs> it was awesome. So it was a great time, and uh, we definitely had a great time being around each other as uh, all of us together. And we were not that far from John Romita Jr. at all either. We could yeah, see him from your Claremont, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris walked up to my table and I glanced up. I did that glance up and I was like, oh, there's an older dude coming. And then I looked again and I was like, that's Chris Claremont. And he had that look on his face. I was like, what has Jason told him? <laughs> I told him everything, Jared. <laughs> told him everything. He's like, man, I heard you didn't like the mind fights thing I wrote. So he, and then he just stared at me, stared into my soul. And I stared back, but no, man, I didn't win. Now, you know, you can't fight a man who with that mind power like that. That was such a great story. Uh, so fun, again, to be there. So it's all fives for Jared from this moment in. Yes. Gotta... It's all fives. Chris <laughs> is my new buddy. <laughs> Every time Jared's like, well, you know, I was going to make it a maybe a three or four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Damn, more for Pat to edit, but I, I just knew the listeners, longtime listeners oh. needed to know that. It was great. Yep. We need to put that in there. So now that that saga has come to a close between Jared and Chris, they are now best friends. Let's find out who else went the extra mile. And we'll start with Jason. Who went the extra mile for you in this? To me, I think it's Kitty Pride. She had the chance to get away, which I think is something I would have done if I had a bunch of armored and masked goons trying to capture and imprison me. I think I would have taken that moment and run away. But... She doubles back. She gets the phone number. She calls Nightcrawler and is set into motion a series of events that, you know, now the X-Men that are captured have a chance at liberation thanks to what she's done. So I'm going to give it to Kitty Pride. I'm going to second that as well, too. I would give it to Kitty as well. Let's find out if everybody thinks the same. Delvin. Yeah, I'm on a slightly different track. I wanted to look up the book, too, and just make sure that I had it right. I'm going with the uh, Hellfire Club. The mm -hmm. Hellfire Club, they had a plan for the mutants, and that was kind of cool to where they enveloped Gene in that, that psychic static that messed her up, and then they had that blob thing around Cyclops, which messed him up. And as usual, when the X-Men helped each other out as a team, they were able to get out of it. But individually, they were kind of in a pickle for a second. So I just like the fact that the Hellfire Club, they were very well prepared to take on the X-Men. That is a good take on it. It also is going back to the dude that sabotaged the 
danger room. That's how they're getting the information. That's how they're getting the intel to know the X-Men's weaknesses. So Warhawk? Yeah. Goes back all goes back to Warhawk. <laughs> really? Y'all, wow. y'all, y'all made fun of him. Y'all made fun of him. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I didn't know what because I was thinking my, I was thinking to myself, how are they where did they get this? I don't remember reading it, but wow, I am totally blow my mind is like blow i feel like jared on the at the end of the mind fight his head just went like so maybe warhawk should be getting a belated uh extra mile here there's been a few miles between that issue and this several one. miles man several yeah. jared cyclops for obvious reasons abs yeah his abs no i already said it i just keeping his cool at a time where definitely people were pushing his buttons but you know he finished the mission and he said i'll i'll deal with this later and I really, really hope there's a payoff for that. I hope Wingard ends up taking a royal whooping at the hands, feet, and laser eyes of Cyclops. We will find out. I'm looking forward to that battle. He's going to have some words with that guy and some stares. Now he needs to clearly have some words with his lady friend as well. <laughs> Say, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> we are not on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's been on the same page for quite a while. But anyway. We'll find out about that as well, too. But now, let's go ahead and get into the ratings. What did we all think about this issue? As a reminder, it's a 1 through 5 rating system here at Crusader Chronicles. 5 is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. 4 really liked it. 3 liked it. 2 didn't like it. And 1 you hated it. Another guy was kissing your lady. Ooh. Oof. Right in the middle of the club, too. Hmm. Yeah. Man. Dirty. Nasty. Jared. Put me on the spot, Pat. You know, uh, I'm a harder win than everybody else here for the X-Men. I finished it, which puts it at a two. Okay. I liked it. Um, yeah, I'm going to put this at a solid three. I feel like you guys will probably be higher, but I'm a solid three on this, which for Jared on the X-Men is highly compliment. So solid three for me. Does your head hurt? I, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't need Claire my busting into my head again. No, it starts bleeding just spontaneously. <laughs> Give in, Jared, and then pain will go away. That's what I keep hearing in my head. Mm. Jason, one to five. I'm at a four on this one. Like we talked about, these are back-to-back legendary characters getting introduced. Strong introduction for both. Good action throughout. Good continuity throughout. Good character development throughout. So strong four for me for this issue. I am also going to go with a four as well. So Delvin can be the deciding factor. Will he be a three? Will he be a four? Or will he bump it up to a five? I could find reasons to bump it up to a five. But since I know this is a transitory issue, like this isn't the payoff. This is mm-hmm. the wind up. So the pitch is going to be what was going to be what judges it. And I rem- I'm don't fully remember the pitch, but I do remember that Jason Wingard is biting off way, way, way more than he can chew. Oh, it's not going to end well for him. I do remember that. And because of that alone, I mean, it's, it's a four. Strong four, just like Jason. Really good. And that intrigue and the pacing impressed me so much. And it was a cool debut for the Dazzler, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind the Dazzler coming in like that. I think they really played her story pretty well all right well with that let us know where you're going to rate this issue are you on three with jared are you on the four with us Mm. let us i think that most people are gonna be with you guys (laughs) (laughs) well let's see but with that you can do that in the comments 
or also send us some questions either by an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. With that, we will be right back. Hey there, your old friend Aaron Moss here. You know, Brotherhead. If you listen to any of my shows, you'll know that I love the 80s. And I also love podcasting. So I decided to combine the two and start a new podcast about, yep, the 80s. But I'm not alone on this journey. Nope. Just like a few other new podcasts on the Headcast Network, I have decided to join in and be his Lady J to his Flint, his Barbie to his Ken, his Leia to his Han, or as some of you know me, as his wife Michelle. While I'm a bit younger, I still am a huge fan of the 80s. Needless to say, many things from the 80s will be brought up for discussion, so why don't you kick back Drink some Ecto Cooler and join us as we take a retrospect of the 80s. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the folks that have joined our crusade and enjoy early access to special long box episodes voting to help determine show content, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ow. Oberyn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins, you know him as the battle wag. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keene. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like the Jarman, too. <laughs> Why does that amuse me so much? Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick. From Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Paul Hicks. Daly, Samantha Mamie, Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin, Tim Paul Hicks Price, Toronto Cop, and Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list or didn't repeat you in triplicate like we did Paul Hicks, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But no worries. Let us know we miss you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Please come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short, with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. We do have social media like shares and retweets from Crusader Chronicles episode 54 from August 1979, where we talked about Amazing Spider-Man 198 and X-Men 127. Aaron, head boss, Amon, Ali, and Helica Fetty Wolf. Auburn Elvis, Blake Martin. Let's go to nice Simon. I've been to Blake Martin a few times. Blake, Blake Martin. Ah, what yeah. <laughs> Get the now, Patsy. Jokes only funny to me and Duff. <laughs> no, I got it. Auburn. Hashtag Auburn jokes. <laughs> Bobby Agatapa. Carmine Del Vecchio. Charlie Green. Chris Grider. Chris Sheehan. Chris. At PTO and Batbooks. Let him go. Oh. 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 
Or just James, if you're nasty. Jeremy Spalding, still love his tennis stuff equipment. Joao Renato Mariano, John D. No, Jonathan Sugarhams, Old Joke, Cappy Bright, Ken Solo, Kevin Christopher, Lucas Taida, Manuel Lopez Cavacante, Manuel Enyete Mendoza, Marcio Ramirez, Mark De Simone, Mighty Mark Hathaway, Matt Anderson, Max Reed Comics, Michael Silic, Michael Sotoala, Mike Branch, Mike Peacock, Nigel Kimber, Pablo De Medellin, Hap the Volks, Peter Bow Hall, Philip O, Philip Packer, Professor Frenzy, it's a show. It's a Score. <laughs> <laughs> Open the door, get on the floor. It's the radioactive dinosaur. Rick Heineken, Robert T. Muhammad, Ron Atley Sr., Ryan Daly, Secret Ward, and Beyond Podcast, Sergio Vizicara, Boogie Waffle, Tim Price, Todd Wyatt. Give me a beat. Alright, so I got a very generic apology from Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. So they. This is what you're gonna get. This is a beat. This is a beat. This is a beat. There isn't no unpacking. This is a beat like the unpacking power. This is a beat of the power pack. Because the power pack. This is a beat. It does not stop. This is a beat. It won't stop. This is a beat. It can't stop. This is a beat. Word. Say what? <laughs> generic apologies. Get you generic beats. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was still pretty good. But I'm Bernard Jeffries. Vincenzo Polidoro. Warlock Thanos Podcast. Warlord Worlds. Weird Warriors Podcast. William Cockrum. And the only double X rated podcast out there. Xenozoic Xenophiles. Derek, just as a note, I don't think that's the only double X um, podcast out there. But. We'll now move on to social media comments and quite a few listeners actually did the hashtag I made it that we challenged at the end because we had like about three billion names to read and we just wanted to make sure if someone made it through it all. And we think the prize is what is it, Jared? Batman Returns? Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded that episode. So my memory's <laughs> hazy. I think it's Batman Returns on DVD. If I'm wrong on that, we will definitely send the hashtag I made it raffle winner a prize pack of some sort. I think it's Batman Returns, though, but you'll get a prize of some sort. It's been too long. It might be hot dogs. <laughs> I might mail you hot dogs. That could explain the theme from earlier. <laughs> but I want to say it was Batman Returns on DVD. If I'm wrong, I will send you some DVDs or Blu-rays, but we will pick a winner this evening. Yep. I think we'll and, put the disclaimer uh, in of all prizes are subject to change upon when we remember what we did and said before. But you will get right. one anyway. I mean, we record well ahead of advance. So still, no, we're, oh, I already read that part. <laughs> okay. The people who made it were Fan Film Friday's podcast, good old Clinton Robinson, Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. Uh, they made it. And let's see, The Hammer Strikes. Made it as well, and she considered herself late, but she was not. And Helica Fetty Wolf, she made it also. So you four will be in a raffle. We'll pick a name, and one of you will be getting Batman Returns. We think, or it's something. possible that it could just be, you know, something else. I don't know. We'll no, it's out. Batman Returns. I found it. <laughs> oh, it's Batman Returns. Jared found it. So definitely Ooh. one of you, one of you four is going to get it. Thank you for listening all the way through. We appreciate you. There are any other comments that we want to read, guys? I'll read one from Alburn Elvis, and he says, What's the term for that many Mysterios? I think it's a rhine of Mysterios. Could be. I think it's a fishbowl of Mysterios. <laughs> and I'd be more than happy to read one from Angelica Fetty Wolf, who said, By the way, I was yelling Waffle House bits, then squealed when Jared finally said one. Fist pump, yes! I'm happy that I squeezed in the Waffle House bits that I don't remember. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't 
can't remember from five weeks ago. But whatever it is, I'm glad we had a Waffle House connection, Angelica. So what Jared's trying to say is his memory was scattered, you know, possibly smothered. <laughs> smothered, it was covered. You know, other, yeah. There's chunks of it running around. <laughs> it's delicious. Topped with a lot of these nuts jokes. Absolutely. Anyone else with comments? I'll take this one from Robert T. Muhammad, who said that he loves the Proteus story. So do we. Well, three. Oh, that's that's Claremont's alternate handle. <laughs> good, very well. <laughs> that, that's that's a good red herring. <laughs> no one would guess that Mildman and Robert T. Muhammad was actually Chris Claremont. So thank you to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. So before we go, Pat, you know what to do. Pull the randomizer. Oh, at least the uh, shipping won't be too high because it's just going out to our garage. Congratulations, Gene Hendricks. One, Batman Returns on DVD. Enjoy it in all of its Christopher Walken glory, sir. It's really true. The hammer does. Strike. And Batman DVDs. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts are made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, and Delvin for joining me for this 57th episode and many more to come. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. I can be found on Twitter, D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter, at Jason Albrick on Facebook when it's working, and at Jason Albrick on Instagram. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can check out my website, www.theyardsaleartist.com. I'm also going to be in a hot dog eating contest with Pat. Pat? Well, I will be getting my mouth ready for it. <laughs> you know, so you get your mouth ready to take all that wiener. <laughs> Taking that wiener. Try to do that job adjustment anyway more than what people really want to know what they want to know is where they can find me on the internet and i am at christatos zero one on the twitter and if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles join us on our next episode of doing a live stream on youtube it's the second sunday of every month at 3 30 p.m central time make sure you come and check it out on youtube and also subscribe to the channel so when we go live, you know when we do. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, or just want to talk to us, you can email us at contact.longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care, and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the Crusade to
intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. The Let's go. The title of this... Oh, that's my God Oh, we got one. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-